Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show hey listener underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you can play pick them pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big you can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night that's right i didn't say 10 i didn't say 20 up to 100 times your money Pick between two and five players, build a pick them entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Pit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick them special must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concern with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, coming to you from the Las Vegas Strip. Live, Ooh. baby. 
Which hotel? Which hotel? <laughs> I'm at the I'm at the MGM, baby. You Ooh. you know I could I could divulge the location because you can't find me in here. Yeah, this no. place is a freaking labyrinth. It's insane. Of course, my boy. Are you back from Miami, Nando? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back in LA. Back on the west side of Los Angeles, our guy Nando Vila. What's going on, brother? Let's do it. We should do a live Vegas show one day for the Woke Pro Nation. Absolutely. We should just go I'm to sure Vegas. We get some just... people to come out. Yeah, we'll do it at the, the Pepperdine Lounge. Even or if it's cool 20 like of us, let's get yeah. together. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's plot the Vegas. revolution yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then go yeah, play yeah. some blackjack. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, of course, I'm out here for the NBA in-season tournament, the first of its kind. I, j- I literally sprinted over to my room from uh, the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, Pacers and Bucks, just a very thrilling game. Tyrese Halliburton is a star. After this, I'm going to go back to go watch the Lakers play the Pelicans. But um, yeah, Nando, we wanted to do get, get an episode in here for y'all, year-end special. Um, obviously, you're a Hollywood mover and shaker. Um, <laughs> and so we we wanted to do, you know, uh, talk about our, our favorite movies of the year. Yeah. Um, Nando went so far as to even put a letterbox together and rank the movies he's seen this year, like the true letterbox bro that he is. And um, yeah, we're gonna talk about them. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen as many movies as Nando, obviously, because I'm not as big a movie buff, but I've seen a few and would definitely like to get into it. But um, right off the top, man, because we haven't talked about this on the show nando obviously we talked about it when we hung out but number one with a bullet oppie oppenheimer oppie, gotta be oppie so i mean i think so fucking good dude it's so fucking good and like okay i mean i guess what, what i'll start by saying is overall i think it's been an incredible movie year like it's been one yes. of the best movie best years since 2019 and, yeah easily since best since 2019 um but i think this is going to go down as a pretty memorable year um, mm-hmm. It just so happened that a bunch of kind of great big dogs, directors, great big dogs, historic big dogs um, had movies this year. Um, it all kind of came together um, into this just a, yeah, like a really incredible year. And it, and it has also coincided with, for me, the long awaited, but for other people, the, the very sad death of certainly the superhero genre. Um mm which has been dominant in the last 10, 15 years. Um, And for the first time, uh, you know, the top three grossing movies of the year were not uh, superhero movies. Um, Crazy. You know? Or not superhero movies or not the second installment of of some franchise IP garbage. Yeah. You know, it's not some Indiana Jones for the 28th time. Yeah, you know, this time with Jude Law, something stupid like yeah. that. You know, I don't think Jude Law's him, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are just original movies, and even Barbie is IP, obviously. Yeah, like, but RB, but it's IP. I, when they say IP, like Barbie is a brand. It's not like I mean, I guess yes. it's technically IP, but it's not like they're taking, you know, a a, a comic book that has a story, a story and a character and a backstory, exists. like. Right. Barbie is an original movie by all in, for all intents and mm-hmm. purposes, just with a brand attached to it. No one, there's no story behind the Barbie doll, you know. Nope. 
There's no the nothing. The story was basically Greta Gerwig and her husband, Noah Baumbach, yeah. <laughs> two yeah. of the most talented writers in the whole freaking industry, and they came together to tell it. But yeah, we don't, we're not getting into Barbie because this is an Oppenheimer podcast. We're yeah. an Oppenheimer <laughs> household. We're bros. Nando. We're bros. We're, we're bros. bros. We're yeah. bros. I mean, Oppenheimer, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I like Christopher Nolan a lot. Yeah, like before I'm, you get into that, what's your relationship with Nolan? Cause you know, I mean, I, I like him. Like he has a lot of people that love him. Yeah, and people that are like super skeptical. Where do you fall on well, that continuum? Um, I I generally like him a lot. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I find I find myself, and I don't know if this is just because I'm an insufferable, uh, you know, uh, contrarian or whatever, but I tend to love the movies of his that are are not the ones that other people i mean i think most people you didn't love... like tenet don't lie you didn't like tenet. <laughs> no Stop no i'm not lying. talking about tenet i'm talking about more i'm talking more that i just i didn't love the dark knight or the dark mm. knight right you know like i mean i like those movies don't get me wrong like i'm not i'm not hating on those movies but they're not they're not the i, I wasn't like you know i don't rewatch them a million times and no, i'm obsessed yeah. with them and you know no the bane um, one was terrible the other two i really yeah. liked yeah um, like I liked them. I was like impressed by them. Um, and there's actually a funny reading of Oppenheimer that it's like, you know, Christopher Nolan is he, he himself is Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer created the bomb, you know, and, mm, and superhero was movie. right. And, and then mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan created the modern superhero movie and, and, and transformed the culture and the movie business and, into only superhero yeah. movies. Um, uh, but, uh, so you know, I, I love Dunkirk. Like I love Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk's an incredible movie. Um, Excellent movie. Uh, I love Interstellar. Um, you know, I I, I I just think like Interstellar is fucking awesome. Um, and and yeah, like I, I love I love Christopher Nolan's movies. But Oppenheimer, when when I saw that he was doing Oppenheimer, it immediately clicked for me. Like, what a great idea for a Christopher Nolan movie because it is it is underrated in a way how how important. Oppenheimer was as a figure in human history, <laughs> you know, like we, for, we we're so used to the atomic age that we don't really, we can't really process just how big of a seismic shift that was that, mm -hmm. that at one point human beings could split the atom um, and what that means. Um, and, and it was, and it was Oppie who did it. And I fucking loved Oppenheimer. I think uh, I, 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 I just thought it was, I just thought it was just an incredible achievement. The fact that it was so weird and so almost avant-garde, like it almost, it almost mm. felt it's so unconventional as a movie. Like it doesn't follow the formulaic plot beats of a biopic or anything like that. It just, it is completely its own original thing. Um, and yet it still made a billion dollars and was like a huge phenomenon and people loved it mm -hmm. and saw it over and over again and, and gross, like it's, it's just, it's hard to describe just, it's hard to overstate how remarkable it was as a box. I think we've gotten used to it now. Like we've processed it, but it, if you would have shown me Oppenheimer as a person who's in the industry, I would have been like, I love this movie, but this is going to flop. Nobody's going to go see this. This yeah. is going to flop. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you talking about? The last hour is like this like yeah. weird little chamber drama uh in which we're by the way i'm into the last hour by the way i love the last hour people who who hate on the last hour yeah, oh, it's overdone oh yeah. the the movie had already ended we didn't you're wrong you're super wrong yeah and we'll get into why you're wrong yeah um and um yeah so so i loved oppenheimer i mean i i i i i will rewatch oppenheimer i saw it three times in theaters not not because like i was mm. like a, a nerd about it but i saw like i i just 
just for happenstance, like when I was, you know, I went back to Miami, my dad wanted to see it. So I went to see it with my dad. And then like, you know, it was kind of, there's yeah. situations where I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go see it. It wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I need to go see this a million times. But the experience of seeing Oppenheimer at the Chinese theater in 70 millimeter IMAX, um, was one of the more fun movie going experiences. We were, we all just walked out of there like buzzing. I went with a group of guys and then we went to Musso and Frank after and we just had a fucking yeah, great time LA. talking about it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is like what it, this is like what living in LA is. So yeah, Oppenheimer number one. Um, if you, I mean, the fact, again, the fact that it's be, it was such a box office sensation, which would usually make me skeptical of a movie, you know, Same. because I have that weird kind of like, if but you watch the movie though, Nando. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it's, it's just smarter about all of it. Right. Like it's it, so a lot of times when we watch movies about these great figures from history, like for instance, um, I'm listening. I'm listening to the blowback podcast from our boys over there. Um, yeah. Shouts to Noah Cohen, and they're talking about the the Afghanistan war. Both of them, our war, meaning the American war plus the Russian war in the '80s, and you know they give it like a, a a very vivid depiction of Charlie Wilson, right? And obviously, you guys know there's a movie called Charlie Wilson's War where Tom Hanks plays this, you know, dude and, you know, Julia Roberts is in it and Charlie Wilson is this hero and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times when we get these historical actual figures about, you know, quote unquote, important things that happen in our time, if you go back and watch that movie, we're getting propaganda from the State oh. Department, y'all. And I and like, I remember it, like, enjoying that movie a little bit, but I was like, I reckon, because I can, I can separate, like, you know, Dunkirk is is a very right-wing movie. Like, I just, you know, I can, but I can separate <laughs> yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, a lot of times we're getting these movies and, and you know, we're getting propagandized like a motherfucker. Um, yeah. Oppenheimer, why I enjoyed it. And I've heard people's critique where it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan, you know, he really buys into this theory of the, you know, great men of history, blah, 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 blah. And to me, honestly, I think the first half of the movie is <laughs> the great man of history theory. And then the second, the ending tears that apart. Tears there it are apart. No great men. How do they not get There are that? no great men. The system will the system fucking wins. destroy you. Yeah. The system will fucking tear you to shreds the second you fall out of line. So yeah. you can't be great. You can be yeah. great in a way that the system wants you to and allows you to. But the, the second you go against that, which is which I thought was important, Nando, because obviously there's a lot of red baiting in the movie. Um they don't go crazy into sort of the merits of Marxism or socialism or, you know, definitely well, not but communism. Even, but they were more, they were more sophisticated about, first of all, exactly. the fact that they even got into it in is the way they did. Crazy. It, again, in a mainstream American, like the top three grocer in America, like they're going deep on, on the American communist party and, 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 you know, uh, Oppenheimer's mansplaining Marx to, uh, to Florence Pugh, you know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> that shit was like, quiet. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then saying, I have become that destroyer of worlds as she's sticking his dick in her pussy. And it was, yeah. it was like, fucking Nolan, you maniac. <laughs> He's sick. He's sick. He is uh, sick. Those, the sex scenes and a lot of people complain about the sex scenes. It's, it's a little off. Like, Let's face it, uh, Christopher Nolan is no like Brian De Palma, right? Like he's not yeah. like that freaky, 
but he's yeah, trying yeah. to like he, he don't yeah. he don't really understand being freaky for real but yeah. he's like you know what well his idea of being freaky movie. is like let me read hindu fucking sanskrit <laughs> <laughs> like you know he he's he's not like david fincher who's another freakazoid right yeah. like whatever nolan is like a buttoned up brit we get it but uh, i thought the movie was excellent at yeah. like yes this guy was great but you know what's greater the fucking system yeah. the system's gonna kill these, you these, you these anonymous bureaucrats like robert downey jr i had never heard of that guy i don't know if he's a real yeah. guy i'd never fucking heard of him like i don't know who the fuck that yep. is he's an unimportant guy um yeah you know like these bureaucrats are really the ones who kind of make the world go around i mean i think is the yep. message of the movie in a way um yeah hello listener guess who's back it's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me, I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Yeah, and, and again, a movie about you know, the red scare, red baiting about it. And, you know, again, I, I thought it was effective to talk about communism, socialism, Marxism, collectivism, um, in terms of this guy who did this great thing for the U.S. government and he tried to go against them by himself and he got crushed. You can't do it alone, y'all. Like, you're not beating these people by yourself. You will not buck the system. You will not change it from within. You will fall in line and you will get crushed. And I'm, I'm sorry, the movie but, was very effective in explaining that. And Oppenheimer would have known that had he really been a, a commie and not a and not a New Deal Democrat, as he says in the movie, which is in one of the funniest <laughs> moments of the movie when, when when Matt Damon's like, you're a suspected communist. He goes, like, I'm a New Deal Democrat. He's like, I said suspected. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, just just a fantastic movie. Um, I can't wait to watch it again, honestly, because, you know, again, the, the 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 brilliance of the silence after the bomb hits and it's just so freaking excellent. Um, I agree with you. Obviously, um, my favorite movie that I watched this year, we, we did a lot of 
killers talk. Um, if you've gone to the movies at all this year, you've seen a lot of previews for the holdovers. Um, yeah. And it felt like a really hokey, nice, wholesome holiday movie. Why is it your second movie on your list, Nando? Well, so I'm a little biased because I know the producer of the movie, a guy okay. named Mark Johnson, uh, who's one of the, my favorite people that I've ever worked with. Um, he's a kind of legendary producer. He produced Rain Man, uh, mm. which was which at the time, which is crazy to think about, Rain Man was the highest grossing movie of that year. I think it was 1986. Number one grocer that year was Rain Man. Uh, it's a different wow. era. And, and it won the Best Picture Oscar. Um, and so he produced uh, this movie. And, and I saw a very, uh, I saw an early cut of it about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just thinking like, oh my God, like I cannot wait till people see this movie. Like it is, it is one of the, you know, you know when you watch a movie that's just, fully satisfying like it's completely Mm. satisfying on every level like it is funny it's sweet it's poignant it's 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 like it's kind of feel good without being saccharine like it doesn't make you feel cheap um it's got just enough edge you know but it's but it's also it's like not so edgy that you like you can't watch it with your whole family or whoever like there's no one that can watch the holdovers and be like I didn't like that movie. I mean, it's just, mm. it's just a really, it's just a thoroughly complete and good, fucking well-made movie, like the kind that you know how you always say, like they don't make them like they used to. This really does feel like a throwback to a. People always say people are comparing it a lot to these '70s movies because it's set in 1970s and in 1970 and has this kind of '70s look to it. But to me, it reminds me of the movies of the early '90s where they had mm-hmm. a lot of these kind of prep school movies. Um, yep. Dead Poets that, Society, yeah, Sense of a Woman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's more. It's more in that genre. Um, but be- I think it's better than all of those. Like it's just mm, it's so wow. so good. I mean, if you, people don't remember, this is Alexander Payne, who's one of the best directors uh, in the last you know thirty years. He did uh, he did Sideways with Paul Giamatti. He did he did Election, one of the best movies in the nineties. He did um, About Schmidt, Nebraska, The Descendants. Like he's just banger after banger after banger. And his last movie was a movie called Downsizing, which was a huge flop. It was his most expensive movie, and it was like a big big time flop with Matt Damon. Um, and so I think he was like kind of a little bit in director jail. Like it's been a while since he's come out with a movie Mm. and this one is just such a return to, to form for him. And Paul Giamatti's amazing. There's a young kid. He's always amazing. He's always amazing. He's going to get nominated for best actor hundred percent. And then there's a young kid in it who had never acted before. Um, and he plays like the kid, the main kid that Paul Giamatti is kind of over like, taking care of. And he's incredible in it. Um, and it's it, and it's just it's fucking great. Like, it's just a thoroughly enjoyable movie that I think, you know, people have been saying it. And I think it's true that it's kind of like an instant holiday classic. Like, it's the kind of movie that you can watch every Christmas if you want it, you know. Um, it's going to be in the rotation of Christmas movies. Like, when's the last time you could say that about a movie that came out recently? Um, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Um, I saw the like every time I would watch the preview, I'm like, this is something I would watch, but it's like I feel like I've seen this movie before, right? Like yeah. a bunch of misfits get together and they realize they love each other, and you make your own family and blah 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 blah. But we know those beats, but when it's well done, obviously, you know, I'm sure there were a bunch of tearjerker moments in the movie where people not, but it's not, but it's not, but it's it's it yes, but not like in a not like in a cheap way a hokey you know? sort of way not, not a hokey way it feels very it feels very earned and it doesn't feel like you don't feel gross about it or like I like that um it's not even as cheesy as son of a woman can be sometimes you know like 
Um, it's not. It doesn't. It's not dripping in cheese. It's like cooler than that. You know. I love that. Uh, so yeah, that's my second favorite. That's my number two of the year. Number uh, two. We're gonna jump around, but I did want to point. Yeah, jump around. Out. Jump around. We're gonna. Um, I wanted to talk to people, and Nando hasn't seen this, but it's a movie called "She Came to Me" and starring Peter Dinklage, Marissa Tomei, mm. and Anne Hathaway, who um is having quite the year. Um, I guess people are like realizing that like she's pretty excellent actress. I think Anne Hathaway, and and I'm one of those people like I'm very put off by tryhards, like people who outwardly like make sure everybody knows that they put a lot of effort and you know like they really care and you know they really studied and like they really book it. Like I really get annoyed by people who make that their brand and and Anne Hathaway has rubbed me that way in the past but I'll be damned if she just isn't just incredible every time she's on screen and in this movie uh <laughs> she plays Peter Dinklage of Game of Thrones the imp she plays his wife he's a playwright he's a successful playwright but he's got like this one mega hit and he's and he's like sort of in a slump and he's trying to find his groove again um he, not a playwright excuse me a composer a creative type sorry um he plays a composer and you know he's trying to write his next great symphony and she sends him out into the world to be like yo you need to go out and find inspiration and he finds it in the form of marissa tomei and hijinks ensue. I just think it's a great movie, great New York movie. Oh, nice. uh, obviously, Peter Dinklage is a very, you know, versatile guy. Marissa Tomei, Brooklyn girl, <laughs> God's favorite. I love her, uh, of course. And yeah, it's, it's a small movie. You know what I mean? Um, you know, low budget indie type of situation, but I think it's worth people uh, checking oh, out. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Rebecca Miller. Um, we'll Nando, I wanted to jump around with you because I'm curious because Priscilla, yeah, directed by Sofia Coppola, of course, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's esteemed daughter. <laughs> More relevant to me, honestly, Nando, the inspiration for the movie Her. <laughs> Yeah, Spike Jones made that movie after they broke up. <laughs> well, after she made the movie about him in Lost in Translation, it's like mm. that's a, some great drama over there. And he was like, "Make a movie about some, that." I got some for that ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, her one of my favorite movies of all time. Talk about such a good movie. Seeing the future in HD. Such a good movie. My yeah. God, excellent. Spike Jones, make another movie, fam. Jesus. Fucking um, yeah. talk to me about Priscilla, man. What'd you think? I thought Priscilla was an excellent movie. Really, 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 really well done. Um, you know, Sofia Coppola just has that kind of that kind of touch for this specific kind of movie. I mean, it's a very small movie. Um, it really is a, a about the biopic standards, right? Definitely. Like, I mean, you, you can tell, like most of it takes place in, 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 in like rooms, in, in rooms in, in, in what's supposed to be Graceland, but really is a set, I think, in Canada somewhere. Um, and I just thought that the performances were really strong. Um, I thought that the direction was really confident and, you know, it's the kind of movie that if they described it to you, you'd be like kind of eye rolly about it, but it's done with such, um, finesse and such a, and such a deft touch that it never falls into cheap moralism, you know, because mm. like, 
you know, Elvis like groomed Priscilla basically. I mean, she was like 15 when they met or 14 wow. or some shit. Like she was a fucking teenager, you know? Um, and he was already a big star and she was obviously like, Oh my God, it's Elvis Presley, you know? <laughs> like, um, and he's like inviting her around. And, and so it's really a movie about a guy who is, uh, you know, not the most emotionally, uh, stable person, kind of a manipulator, like a lot of celebrities, um, you know, kind of a narcissist um, who is who is basically grooming this girl who sort of I mean, the, 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 I think maybe the reason why Sofia Coppola was attracted to, to, to this story is because throughout Priscilla kind of knows that she's being manipulated like she's she's not dumb. She's not unwise to what's going on, you know, but again it's just it's there's no like easy answer for it there's no there's no kind of cheap message there's no so i just thought it was like a very mature movie um that handled a kind of complicated subject with a lot of um dexterity and specificity that i thought was just really impressive i mean again like in in lesser hands like with a worse director this movie would have been just like a really boring kind of one note uh thing about uh, a, a guy you know, a problematic relationship in, you know, that, that was just, but again, I just thought, I thought it was impressive. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like necessarily like a movie made for guys like us, if that makes sense, you know, like it's, not, yeah. but you can, you can appreciate it because it's just so, so well done, you know? So when we talked about Killers of the Flower Moon, um, we talked about the fact that this isn't Marty's bag, right? this subject matter, these people, he's telling somebody else's story. Um, and you could feel not apprehension or tentativeness, but he's being careful in the way that he tells the story. This isn't just unvarnished Marty, no. right? Um, this isn't Goodfellas, right? Um, where Marty is just like, you know, it's riding a bike for him. It's interesting to hear you say the opposite about Sofia Coppola telling this story because obviously she's Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. Um, she's been around these types of people yeah. for a while. Um, she knows this world very well. Um, and obviously she's made herself, her herself has become a prominent woman in the entertainment industry and so she knows she understands the baggage and the weight of that and so yeah and her that's, first that, and her breakout hit was lost in translation which is about a a, a kind of a, it's not it's nowhere near as problematic a relationship as priscilla nelvis but it is a relationship between like it's like a 30 or 40 year age gap relationship mm. you know oh so spike um, jones young, is just like way older than her no, 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 no. It's the relationship between her and, and or, or uh, Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray in the movie. Oh, you know? and, oh okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still on the her. This yeah, is no, Spike no, Jones no. shit. No, 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 no. She just makes fun of Spike Jones through the Giovanni Ribisi character in Lost in Translation. But no, it's like, you know, and in that, it's it's one of those things that like it's it's one of those movies that someone told you about. It, if someone pitched you, it's like, oh, it's about a relationship between a, you know, fifty or sixty mm -hmm. or fifty-five year old. You know, movie star and a 19 year old girl um you're like huh you know what i mean but like in both movies the women are are completely in control in a way not not as sure. much in priscilla as in lost in translation obviously but they're aware of what's going on they're not just completely manipulated and 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 good so like it, it makes sense this is kind of like a capstone for that she loves she loves these kind of relation i don't know for, for whatever reason <laughs> yeah we know <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Okay, the last movie we want to talk about. Um, um, how do you pronounce this Mexican joint, Nando? Which one? Heroic. 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 Great movie. Um, this is a um, a, a movie by. Is Eddie it in Dante. Spanish? It's in Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I would describe this movie is it's Mexican Full Metal Jacket. Um, the first half Copy. of Full Metal Jacket. It all takes place on a military mm-hmm. base in Mexico. And uh, it's like a training, like a it's a bunch of grunts, you know, uh, that that show up um, to basic training essentially. Um, and then there's the senior officers, or not the senior, the junior officers who have to train them are like absolutely brutal. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, and and it, it almost has even more of an edge, if you could even say that, than Full Metal Jacket. Um, wow! In that there's an element that you start getting the sense that some of these junior officers are involved in some sort of criminal activity where because they're trained you know military officers they op- they sometimes go out in the middle of the night with a bunch of guns and you know put on like a ski mask and you know right and, right 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 and they're slowly starting to recruit this guy to be part of their crew essentially a gang within the the Mexican military and start like kind of coercing him to do bad shit that he doesn't want to do. And then when this guy tries to speak up, you know, the, the military brass are just kind of, yeah, we know know, how that goes. You know how that goes, but it's just a fucking awesome movie. It's so well done. Um, It's a Mexican movie. It's probably, I don't even know where you could see it now. Cause I saw it at, I saw it at Sundance last year. Um, But I'm sure if you really, if you really tried, you can find it. Um, it's just a hidden gem movie for me. Um, not it didn't get a lot of uh, attention or anything like that, but I, I promise you, if you watch that movie, it's incredibly powerful. It sticks the landing so hard. The ending is so cool. Um, it's just a it's just a really really good movie. If you want to, if you if you kind of like the Full Metal Jacket vibe, the first half, you're gonna love this one. That's like my uh, Roger Ebert kind of uh, <laughs> on that. I love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. Um, shouts to everybody who's listening, man, this entire year. Uh, we really appreciate you guys fucking with us, supporting what we do. Of course, if you can, for a cup of coffee a month, become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash count the dings. Shouts to my man, John Gervais on the ones and threes. Always keeping the trains running on time, man. We will see you guys soon. Peace. Later. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com podcast. 
Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.